0: Is anyone else a little obsessed with the sex and the city feud right now? <laughs> Kim Cattrall saying Sarah Jessica Parker could have been nicer and that has turned into a toxic relationship. I try not to. I really try not to click on every link. But I keep going back when no one is watching and having a sneaky read.
2: I'm I mean, just, Kim Cattrall, first of all, she's done us a public service by not agreeing to do that film. <laughs>
0: I mean, in a way, but in another... I'm just fascinated by it. I'm just absolutely gripped to it, and I try not to be every single day. Every single day, I fight the fight, and I just think it's just one day at a time. (laughs) She... No, but actually, I don't know if I want this in, because she liked one of my tweets once... And then I tweeted her and said, hey, do you want to do the show? And then I didn't hear from her. So I feel like that's the beginning of something.
2: <laughs> okay, sorry. She might be flattered. We <laughs> love you, Kim I Michelle. do love her. I think she's great. I do love her. I love her. She but was my favorite character. I'm a feminist, but when Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston got divorced, I picked a team. <laughs> I was team Angelina. <laughs> Yeah, just because I... F- yes, I was, yes. I don't know. I just wanted to be contrary. And um, also, I think there's something about Angelina Jolie that's very cool.
0: Oh, no, there definitely is. But one of those things is not sleeping with someone else's husband on a film set.
2: Yeah, but I believe them when they say nothing happened. <laughs> That's now. Do you know what that's
0: fucked? Kim Cattrall coming on the show, Jennifer Aniston coming on the show, and Angelina Jolie coming on the show.
2: Uh, I'm sorry, None I've turned the show coming. into a burn book. Okay. <laughs> uh,
0: I'm a feminist, but when Kim Cattrall said that the Sex and the City crew had never been friends, only colleagues, do you think that's true, or is that coming from a place of pride and pain? Because that ruins the whole show for me a little bit. She oh, said they've it? never been friends. Listen, female Ghostbusters, people said that ruined their childhood. How am I meant to feel about this?
2: (laughs) I mean, it it is upsetting, but uh, in a way, it's like, wow, they were great actresses. (laughs) I came of age to that show. I grew up with them, and I just feel betrayed. I'm a feminist, but given the opportunity, I would choose to marry rich. I'm just saying all other things, like say I had two suitors, it's like a definitely maybe scenario, but actually that's three suitors, all right, not, not huge fans of Ryan Reynolds in the audience.
0: <laughs> I mean, this is a bit of an, you're a feminist, but you say things like suitors.
2: <laughs> <laughs> suitors. Is that the incorrect term?
0: <laughs> I feel like suitors has a patriarchal air to it, like they're oh. trying to win your hand in marriage. Are you dating knights?
2: <laughs> like the white knights on charges? No, but now you're right. I'm questioning everything now. Yeah. I don't think I've ever used that term before. Maybe coming on this podcast is maybe a misogynist. <laughs> Here's what I'm getting at, is that I don't necessarily feel the need to work. I don't think you should be
0: applauding that. Why are you applauding a woman saying, I want to marry for money on a feminist podcast? I'm not saying she a gold digger, but she ain't messing with no broke bro. I'm with Kanye, or whoever said that. I think it's Kanye, is it Kanye? One of them. One of them. I don't know, I don't know rappers. We've
2: burned them coming on the podcast now.
0: (laughs) Can you imagine Welcome to the Guilty Feminist with Kanye West?
3: (laughs) I mean, you'd have
0: to for the story, but just imagine Kanye coming on and being like, I'm a feminist, but... (laughs) He wouldn't come on, he wouldn't know what it was. Queen Bey? Sure. Beyoncé will be on this podcast before I die. If I have to give it to her, and never do it again myself. Sure. I'm a feminist but although i know that sex and the city has dated and the movies did reposition the original show for me especially the second one in the middle east which no do not why why did you do that please culturally insensitive to the point of please stop there is nowhere in the world that it is okay to give a hand job in a cafe there's no that is not exclusive to the middle east you will be arrested anywhere for that And you cannot have sex in a pickup truck on the 4th of July in America, Samantha. You just can't. It's one of the most prudish places in the world, America. You can't even sunbathe topless. Even with all that, I'm a little sad. Now I know I'll never see those characters again. Even though I know it's for the best. Like when a beloved pet goes rabid. And the kindest thing is to put it to sleep. It's still a sad day when that happens. Hashtag Jimmy Choo,
2: amen. <laughs> I was also really annoyed by the first movie because oh, yeah, Miranda's husband mm-hmm. cheats on her and then Carrie gets left at the altar, which is also shocking, but did, like, nothing for Miranda. And I was like, both of your lives are falling apart, you know? Like, help each other. See, I was oh, sort right. of on Steve's <laughs> side. I was on Steve's side. Like, I felt like, Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, so, you're not Team Angelina, but you're Team Steve. <laughs> well, okay. Well, she just wasn't
0: very sympathetic. Oh, no, listen, if you're not Sex and the City people, this is, it, just, just, it, is there, do you have any interest in Sex and the City?
2: No, they know. That's strong drop no. at, Let's drop
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: This is the wrong crowd. Should we chat about Go Girls? Uh, no. Okay, I'll yours? go. Sure. Uh, I actually do feel bad about this one. I'm a feminist, but once when I was getting my appendix out and the anaesthetist came out and she was a woman, I had a flash of being like, is someone supervising you? (laughs) Yeah. I know, I know. I felt like I didn't... It was one of those things that took me off guard. Sure. And then I was like, holy shit, I'm in pain. So feel bad for me. Uh, (laughs) But it was one of those things where I was like, oh, fuck, I really realised just how much I'd internalised so much Yes, bullshit. well, that's the
0: thing, is, we do internalise it. You have to just retrain your brain, because we're all internally sexist, because we are yeah. raised in a sexist society. Yeah, 100%. So it's not your fault that, you, that, what Thank saying, you. that you're on <laughs> Team Angelina. That's not your fault. It's <laughs> <laughs> not your fault. Live from the Town Hall in Auckland, <laughs> the Sponsor Shop presents... Guilty Feminist with Democrats is White, and guest co-host, Alice Seddon, and very special guest, Rose. Rose. This is the Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. Um, So, hello, and today we are talking about instincts, trusting your instincts, when we trust them, when we don't trust them, why women are encouraged not to trust their instincts at times. Who feels, just give us a mm, hmm if you feel at times you've got a good instinct and then somebody else or society at large overrides that instinct and you don't listen to yourself. Mm. Now, mm again, if you regret it when you don't listen to your instinct. Mm. Every time, right? Every time. Yeah. You know more than you
2: think you know. Oh, thank you. No, I do. I, do. I, I, I agree really that I'm you. Oh, I, mean, I took it specifically. No, I no, do you mean you. I mean all of us. Yeah, I, but, think, I think you're right. Eh? There are those moments where you're like, I just know the right thing to do here. And for whatever reason it is, you don't have the courage or you, you, know, you second guess yourself. And sometimes in those moments when you second guess yourself, then the opportunity is gone. Gone. And yeah. you
0: think, I should have listened. But I think someone like David, in the oh, warm up, I was talking to David, and he said he was raised by women, yes. but he said it a bit like raised by wolves. <laughs> I was raised by some of your people. <laughs> and he had a good sense of self and uh, confidence in the room. He's now saying to his friend who brought him, Why have you brought me here? <laughs> you said I wouldn't be involved in the show, and that's all that's happening. We are
3: called raised by wolves.
0: Oh, oh. David has just explained that his friend has a clothing label called Raised by Wolves, and he wears the hat, and his mother hates it. This so is, make of that what you will.
2: This is crazy because I was actually raised by wolves. So. <laughs> it's, we've got something. Mm. You and David are you single? Yeah. Could at everyone the else leave? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> are you single? At the moment? Yes, I am. Yeah.
0: Because not is, for long. Oh. David, is, <laughs> uh, David is looking.
2: Oh, great. All right, come up to me afterwards. We'll see how it goes. We'll come backstage, Whatever you, wherever works. We'll
0: go to the queue bar, and then that's the show after the show. Gather round and see how David and Alice get on. Um, trust your instincts, though. Trust your instincts. And I think some, the popularity of Tinder, as awful as I find Tinder in many ways, the popularity is about instinct, isn't it? It's probably about, in that moment, do I swipe right or do I swipe left? In that moment, do I say yes or do I say no? Does anyone here do Tinder? Just say, Move mm, you do Tinder? Mm. Uh, just say, mm, if there's anything good about it. Mm. Yes? <laughs> What's the good thing about it?
4: Sex. Sex, thank you.
0: <laughs>
2: it is very easy to hone your instincts on Tinder, though. I mean, it's like if someone's holding a giant fish or like a gun. <laughs> You're like, okay. <laughs> Are they your swipe lefts, holding a fish or a gun? Do you swipe left if you're saying pass? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. a big fish. I'm like, I'm not spending all that time on a boat.
0: <laughs>
2: and then, like, if you've got a gun, it's like, well, I don't want a gun in the house.
0: <laughs> so what would you be... If they were holding what, would you swipe right? <laughs> no, come on, my Auckland. <laughs> this is a charming matinee show.
2: Oh, it is a matinee show because I was going to say they're dick. Um, Thank you. No, uh, like a bag of cash.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So if they're holding a bag of money, you're swiping
2: right. Yeah, because I've assumed they've stolen it and that's (laughs) hot.
0: Fair enough. (laughs) Fair enough.
2: Please welcome to the stage, Deborah Frances white
0: So this is a story about how as a woman and as a feminist, I did and did not trust my instincts. I came to London from Australia where I was raised when I was on what would have been called my gap year if I hadn't been a Jehovah's Witness because Jehovah's Witnesses aren't allowed to go to university. I came over to London when I was very young and some young Jehovah's Witness friends, two young married couples, a lot of Jehovah's Witnesses get married young so that they can have sex, And uh, are <laughs> not allowed to otherwise, and so these two young couples, brother and sister, both have got married uh, to separate people, <laughs> and they, uh, they've telephoned me, and they said that, hey, we're going around the world, we're going to go to America, then we're going to stop in London, but we're just going to stop at the airport, we're not getting off uh, and going and looking at London at this point, uh, because we're going to fly straight on to Egypt and then we're going to go around Egypt and Israel, and it's cheaper the more people who come, and that is the reason we are inviting you. <laughs> That's how blatant they were. They were like, every time you get a boat or a taxi or whatever, more the merrier, split the cost. And so I thought about that, and I thought, Do you know what, that would be really good, because I was single, I was very young, I thought, when else am I going to be able to go to Egypt and Israel? So I said, yes, and they said, great, this is the plane we're catching, you need to get a ticket on that plane, and uh, we will see you at the airport. I said, great, well, we'll be in touch before then. We were not in touch before then. And they'd taken off without my email address because they were completely irresponsible and horrible people. And I probably, in case they hear this, I won't say that. I'll say, but they were completely irresponsible and terrible people. And so they went around America. I didn't hear from them. So I bought this ticket and I thought, I'm gonna have to go. So I'd wound up my flat in London, I just had my suitcase, I'd stored some stuff, and I turned up to the airport in London, thinking, well, they'll be there, waiting for me in some way or another. And I got there, there was no word from them, there was no contact. I had a one-way ticket to Egypt, and that was it. (laughs) Because then we were meant to go overland in Egypt, overland in Israel, and come out, go to Greece or something together. So there was literally me, being very young, a backpack and a one-way ticket to Egypt. I did not know anything about anything. I was a Jehovah's Witness, so I was a virgin on everything. (laughs) I I was just, any way you could be virginal, that's how I was virginal. I had done nothing. I had been nowhere except London. And I was really scared, and I thought, what am I going to do? So I started crying at the airport, going, what am I going to do? If I get on this plane, are they going to be on it? Are they not going to be on it? So I went to the uh, reception, and I said, look, could you tell me who's on the plane? They said, we're not allowed to tell you who's on the plane. And so I cried so much, they told me he was on the plane. (laughs) And they were on the plane. So I got on the plane, and I was like, guys, you didn't tell me you were here. And they were like, chill out, Deb. We said we'd be on the plane. We're on the plane. (laughs) Because I was raised on the Gold Coast, just to be clear, just to fill that in. Um, So, they were like, oh, it's all the play, we're all the play, what are you worrying about? God, a lot of drama, no dramas here, no need for dramas, we're going to travel in a drama-free fashion. There's no need, no need for dramas, we haven't had any dramas so far, you come along, suddenly there's dramas. I'm like, there's no drama, it's just that I haven't heard from you for six months. And they were like, sounds like drama to us. Just get on the plane, face the right direction, get off in Egypt, bish, bash, bush, we're there. I should have trusted my instincts. I, when they said they wanted to go two couples, brother, sister... None of them get on. That's the truth. The couples didn't get on. The brother-sister didn't get on. So the two couples were sort of slightly warring, and the brother-sister were quite warring. Everyone was warring, basically, internally, externally, across the lines. There was just that low-level, bickery tension between everybody. I think I was meant to delude that. I did not. I was full of the drama. So, (laughs) So we land, and the first thing that happens is they say, right, we're in Cairo. We should go and see the pyramids. I think that sounds good. And we get to the pyramids, and there are some chaps there with camels. And they say, right, will you pay to get on the camel, and then we'll take you to the pyramid. I did not trust that. I thought, no. My instinct is telling me, do not get on these camels. Camels are bitey. Camels are taller than I am. No, I don't trust that I will see a pyramid. I just trust that I will fall off a camel. So I go with some different people who've got some kind of, I think, rickshaw with horses or something. It's really hard to get through. It's like concrete uh, sand. And so I go off on my rickshaw, I get to the pyramids, I go in the pyramids, I come out of the pyramids, I look around the pyramids, I see everything that could be seen, I come back, and the two couples have basically been on some camels, (laughs) have had to pay to get off the camels, have never seen the pyramids. (laughs) So, point one for my instinct. Then, Mike, who is meant to be in charge of this leg of the tour, because they're going around the world, has failed to bring a Lonely Planet guide or anything that would tell him anything about Egypt. So he listens to a man in our hotel who says, hey, don't go on the tourist train, as I have seen in my Lonely Planet guide. Don't go on the tourist train. It's too expensive. What you want to do is go on the local Egyptian train. Now, I have read in my guidebook, you should not do that. There's a reason there's a tourist train. It's for tourists. Go on the tourist train. Michael comes out of a room somewhere and goes... Oh, no, sweet as. I've got four tickets on the local train, and that's much better than the tourist train for tourists. Is it, though, Michael? Is it? (laughs) Evidently, it isn't. That's why they call it the tourist train. That is, no, it isn't. But by that time, he's spent my money, and I can't really afford to go again. So against my instincts, I get on the local train. Now, the local train is as advertised for locals, and there is a palpable tension about us being on that train, mostly Because because the very young women that I'm with are wearing, as the guidebook advises them not to do, hot pants and crop tops. And they're like, well, it's really hot. And I'm like, yes, it's really hot. And when it's really hot on the Gold Coast, girls wear hot pants and crop tops. But the, the book clearly says it's a conservative country. Just You don't have to cover your head or anything like that, but just sort of be respectful. Wear a summer dress or T-shirt and jeans, whatever. So I'm wearing a T-shirt and jeans. The girls are wearing hot pants. Every single train... From the second train stop that we stop at, the word has traveled down to the next village that there are naked women. <laughs> so young men and children run to the window, just of our carriage. They know the number of the carriage they've been told. And they run, understandably, because there are naked women in the carriage. And so they come to the window and they're like, naked women, naked women. And I'm like, girls, do you think you've got anything in your rucksack (laughs) that you could put on? And they go, no, we're hot. And I'm like, okay. Um, So I'm like, I feel like I've trusted my instinct correctly, but I am quite hot in my jeans. And I'm thinking, I wish I'd worn a summer dress. And there's a chap sitting opposite us. Now, Michael has said it's best – he'd read in a guidebook that he'd then lost – that it's best to say that you are a relative of a man that you're traveling with. That's just – if you don't want to be hassled, you don't want people saying, hey, you know. So he said, I'll say you're my sister – And there's a man who's, like, really obsessed with me. It's a 17-hour train ride. So I see he's staring at me. I go to sleep. When I wake up, he's staring at me in exactly the same position. So I'm a little nervous. Some of this is darker material, I've realized. Um, And I wake up, and I'm getting really nervous of him. And I hear, because Michael's very chatty, I hear Michael get into a conversation with him. And I hear Michael go, oh, she's not really my sister. We're just telling people that. And I'm like, why are you saying that? Why are you saying that? And I said to the girls, I'm really hot. Do you reckon there's anywhere I could go? Because the loo was not... kind of blue you could change in and so I said I don't know what I'm going to do I said I think maybe I should just sort of like make long shorts out of my jeans and this man comes over and he says I've got scissors I'll cut them off for you and I was like no that's okay that's okay and Michael said no let him he's really nice and so the guy just starts doing it and he starts cutting my shorts off and it's like in a French film it would be really erotic (laughs) just but on a train In Egypt, with a man who's been staring at me for 12 or 17 hours, not erotic, very, very frightening. So he cuts the whole of my jeans off. It's honestly one of the most frightening seven minutes of my life, because it does take seven minutes to cut denim with blunt scissors. I do not trust my instinct and say no, 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 I don't want this. I just kind of freeze and go, okay, because I kind of think I have to go along with it. You know the way that sometimes you just think, well, the option would be to say no, and then what would happen? So we finally get to this hotel down the south of Egypt, many, many scary things happen, you know, but we're still, we're seeing nice things, we're having a nice time. And then Kevin, the other guy says, do you know what, I really think we have gotta go back up to Cairo. And I was like, why? And he said, oh, because I didn't get to go inside a pyramid because of that camel business. And I was like, right, but you've seen pyramids down here. He's like, no, but I wanna see the big pyramids. And I was like, why? They're the same as the small pyramids inside, I promise you. He said, no, because when I get home, people will say, did you go inside the pyramids? And I'll have to say no. And I'm like, no one's going to ask you that. They don't care.
2: <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 they will. They'll say
0: it. What will I say? I'm going to sound like an idiot if I said didn't go inside the pyramids. I said, nobody's ever going to ask you. They don't care. This became the theme. They were carrying, like, sort of fridge magnets. Why do we need these? so, so people, When we go home, people will know where we've been. The constant refrain is, so people will know where we've been. At one point, there was this big uh, Hezekiah's Tunnel. And it looked, you know, it was dirty water up to your middle. So the girls were like, we were all like, we're not going to go through that. The boys were like, well, what are you going to say when you go home? And people say, did you go through Hezekiah's tunnel? And I said, I'll say no. (laughs) What are they going to say then, Michael? Well, people will know. I was like, yes, I'll tell them the story of why I did not go through and they'll be satisfied with that answer. No one has ever asked me. You're the first people who know I didn't go through Hezekiah's Tunnel. It's in my life, no one's ever said, so you went to Hezekiah's Tunnel. Did you go through it? It's just no one cares where you've been. It's for you. Be there for you. So I was having this really traumatic time with them. We have to go all the way back up on the, I think we did take the tourist train out the back. 17 hours back up to Cairo so that Kevin could go in a pyramid. Um, and eventually, we get to Israel. And the whole time, I feel like I've not been trusting my instinct. I've been led by these people, and they're, just, they're not very good at traveling. They're the kind of people that complain everything's too expensive and sort of mock local culture, and that's really not my favorite way to travel. <laughs> so when we got to Israel, we were staying in this um, Backpackers, and I said to the people running it, I said, do you think I could work here for like food and board? And the lady was like, oh, yeah, 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 that'd be great. You can work on the reception desk because I've worked in hotels before. So I said to the gang, guys, I'm gonna stay while you go on because I haven't seen enough of Israel and you're moving. And they went, Deb, you're gonna be so, no, you can't do that, it's gonna be so dangerous. And I was like, nothing could be more dangerous than traveling with you. (laughs) Every single thing you've done. Michael made so many poor decisions. He made so many alliances that were unwise. I had had clothes physically cut off my body. (laughs) He had bought duty-free for people and left it with them, so we'd got questioned at borders. Like, he had made the worst decisions. If somebody had come up and asked to sort of, you know, they say, could you want to buy this money? He would stop and explain to them why he didn't want to buy the money. And we were like, Michael, it's a street hustler. They don't care. (laughs) Keep walking. It was the worst experience. I was like, nothing could be more dangerous than this. So I just said, no, I think I'm going to be fine. And they said, Deb... When we leave, you're going to be so upset that we've gone. You're going to cry. You're going to realize that you're in Jerusalem on your own and how dangerous it is. We will only leave you here if you understand how upset you're going to be when we go. Okay? And I said, okay, I understand that, and I still want you to go without me. I just trusted my instinct. Now, I didn't know for sure. I did not know for sure how I would feel. But when they walked out the door and got on a bus and left Jerusalem, I actually physically did a happy dance. (laughs) I trusted my instinct, and I was right. Thank you very much. Please put your hands together and make wonderful guilty feminist noises for the fantastic Rose Matafeo! How are you, Rose? I'm very well. Very well. Good to be back. Are you learning to trust your instincts the more as you get older as a woman and as a feminist?
5: I think that's exactly it. I think instincts are something that's very much honed as you get older. I feel, though, and Alice knows me personally quite closely, and uh, she'll know that I, I'm possibly uh, such an instinctual person to the point where instinct doesn't exist anymore, in terms of I'm so bad at following instincts like, it just never paid off for me. I remember once oh. watching an episode of Oprah, and <laughs> <laughs> it's a good story. I love how
2: you're uh, talking about this like it's a revered memory. <laughs>
5: <laughs> One day I was. And it was. And it was an interesting episode about um, an interview with a woman whose ex-husband came to abduct her and put her in a trash can and put her in a storage unit. I know. Shocking, right? And in the interview, the woman was like, As soon as I saw his car pull up, I knew I knew there was something in my gut. I knew something was wrong. And Oprah was like, it's a woman's instinct. That is a woman's instinct right there. And when I saw that episode, I was like, yes. But the problem is is that I have never had a high-stakes situation in my life Uh. like that to apply this woman's instinct concept (laughs) to. So it literally is like me figuring out if milk is off (laughs) and like apply, this is a woman's instinct. I know, I know in my gut. That this is fine. I can eat this cheese. The, yeah. the,
2: the milk is off thing is such a good example because without fail, I will like sniff it and be like, that seems off, but then still take a <laughs> taste of yes, uh, it. Know. I
0: know. Just to make sure that your instinct and there comes <laughs> yeah. a point in your life where you have to trust the sniff yeah. and not taste it. And that is with milk and dating. And <laughs> can yeah. I tell you my challenge that I did today? Because yes. I'm so excited to tell you about yes. it. So, I'm frightened of horses, and I, once I rode a horse as a child, and it reared, and then it took off at speed, and so it was like a pony trail, and all the other children were kind of just sort of, not even trotting, walking yeah. along, and mine was just pa- running past everyone like it was in the Grand National, and I was screaming and screaming, and nobody really cared, like the trainers were like, oh, well, that one goes a bit fast, and I was like, no, honestly... After that, I never wanted to go on a horse ever again.
5: I mean, take that horse out of running for the pony rides for children. Like <laughs> that one not, goes a bit fast. Nobody, yeah,
0: nobody acted like it was a big deal, but it was a big deal, yeah. and I was quite small, so I didn't ever want to go on a horse again. And I think I sort of had gone on one once, but a like a real pony walk in the snow in a lovely Christmassy location, sort of thing once. But I was nervous the whole time; didn't like it. So I'd read about it, and apparently, horse riding is very instinctive. You pass your instincts onto the horse. So if you're nervous, the horse will be nervous. It fuels you. So it's like having four legs. It's like being a centaur, basically. You are part of the horse. You have to think of yourself as part of the horse. Uh-huh. And you are, it's like upping your instincts. So you have to connect your instincts with the horse. So I thought, I've got yeah. to try this. Like pairing a Bluetooth
5: device to something. Exactly. It is, yeah. It is.
0: Yeah. And as a Guilty Feminist Challenge, I thought, I really want to try this. Mm-hmm. But I really didn't want to try it at the same time. Like, I was like, oh. It'll be good for me. And that's sometimes I do the ones that I think are hard. And I, I just was like, oh, can't I just like train a dog? And then I was like, No, you can't just train a dog, you've got to go on a horse. So I'm here in Auckland staying with my sister. So I, I have a sister I was raised with out in Australia, and then I found my birth mother because I'm adopted and I had three sisters in New Zealand. So I'm basically a New Zealander guys, is what I'm saying. Um, um, so so I'm staying here in Auckland with my sister Emma. And uh, her daughter Lucy's 12. And so I said, would you like to come horse riding with me? Because I thought it would be a nice sort of auntie-niece thing to do. And she said, yes, she'd never ridden a horse before. So off we go to this amazing place. There's a woman called Nadine. And the place is called Being With Horses. And I thought, that sounds like a nice one. Yeah. Someone had recommended it. And what she'd said on the phone was, Nadine said on the phone was like, okay, you have to come and talk to the horse for ages and walk around with it and stroke it before you're allowed on it. And I was like, it's for a podcast challenge. Like, maybe I'll just get on. Because I haven't got all daytimes money, you know. And, and she was like, really prefer if you spend time with the horse. That's kind of the whole point. I was like, okay. Meet I and greet. Meet and greet. And I thought, I don't really like horses. Yeah. So I'm not going to like hanging with... Like, I'd rather be on top where, yeah. than where it can bite me. At least on
5: top, I've got what a shot. if you shot. have nothing in common? It would be terrible. But that's yeah. what I thought. And I just yeah.
0: thought it might bite me, it might kick. I'm not going to enjoy this at all. And at the last, I, so we went up and there were two horses, Lucy and I went up and oh, I was just like, I really regret this. And the horse sort of started sniffing me and I was like, oh, oh. And she said, if you pull away, it gets confused or it thinks you don't like it. And I was like, well, I can't help it. It might bite me. She was like, I promise these horses won't bite. And I actually said out loud, I think I don't want to do this. I want to go, I don't want to let, just let Lucy do it. And then I was like, oh, I'm here now, I have to, you've paid for it. And then she said, I'm going to put Lucy on this horse because it's quieter and it's a nicer horse. The other horse is a bit faster and it's a bit more anxious, so
5: I'll put you on that one. The same horse from your childhood.
0: <laughs> I was like, why do I have to have that one? She said, because Lucy's a child. And I was like, fair. At that point you can't go, no, give my 12-year-old niece the buckaroo. I'll get on the lovely one. And then she said, well, this one was called. Ku, ku, was it Lucy? Was it called Kudo? Ku, what was it called? Kudo. It wasn't. Okay. Kujo. Well, it wasn't called
5: Kujo. It was Kujo.
0: Ku, ku, ku it was Sudoku? It was tao, tao. Tao. Tao or Ta
5: Kokuma. What was it?
0: Lucy. It was your horse. Cairo. 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 K.O. 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 That's what it was, K.O. <laughs>
5: <laughs> I mean, that the seems the, like the most unlikely out of all her options. <laughs>
4: <laughs> K.O. I think it was K.O. So I don't she believe said, your
5: story, Leslie. She,
0: she said, K.O.'s a boy horse, and uh, K.O.'s much quieter, but K.O.'s had a much nicer life. And Ugh. then she said, exactly. Vegas.
2: Ko gets exactly.
0: paid more. <laughs> Ko gets paid more, and then she said, "Darling is a female horse," and she said, "Darling had a really tough life," and she said, "Ko's had it much easier." And I was like, "Course, the man has had know. it much easier." And she <laughs> said, "Darling was used as a race horse and was like branded, beaten quite hard, like." awful and then she wasn't a very good racehorse, so they just abandoned her in a paddock and for nine years she was just left alone and she really had no company and she got incredibly anxious and as soon as she said that I just melted and I just went over to her I just saw her as a person and I thought well if a woman had been you know in a terrible situation was in a refuge and I saw that she was anxious I wouldn't assume she was going to punch me (laughs) I would think it's my job to make her know that I'm safe and I'm not going to hurt her So I thought, oh, it's my job to make a darling feel calm. It's not darling's job to make me feel calm. And as soon as I realized that, I went over and I was just stroking her and talking to her and I was just saying, I'm going to be a nice person and, you know, like everything's going to be okay. And then she was just nuzzling me and she could feel that I felt her pain. And then she was like, just putting her head into my arm and she was going, yes, I have had a hard time and you understand. (laughs) And then I wasn't scared at all, even though she was like nibbling me. I wasn't like she was going to bite me. I was like, "Yes, we get each other." And oh my god! You buried
2: h- the lead about this talking horse. I know. Yeah. At this,
5: you need to report this company.
0: It was so nice. And then it was, she wasn't really talking. I was imagining what she was saying. And
2: <laughs> <laughs> you're still allowing for the possibility that there are talking horses. <laughs> it was not Mr. Ed. <laughs>
0: And then, So then we were just walking around, and I was stroking her, and I was leading her, and do you know what? Nadine was right. I acted like a man and decided the female expert didn't know what she was talking about and that I should just jump straight on. Mm -hmm. Nadine was right. That was the bonding bit, and I'd never had that before. Whenever I'd got on a horse before, it had just been get on the horse and ride, and then they do it mechanically, like if you do this, this will happen. That is not true. Mm -hmm. What I have discovered is that it's like... Someone might say, what's it like being married? I only know how to be married to Tom Selinski. I don't know how to be
2: married to anybody else.
0: I don't know about... So it's a connection. It's like dating. It's like riding a horse,
2: I've realised. I see where you're going with this. It's like...
0: (laughs) It's like having multiple boyfriends. There are mechanical things that are the same.
2: I don't know if that's 100% the place where I thought it was going to end up.
0: (laughs) But your instincts have to be to the person that you're with. And I realised it, and I really, really got it. And so we were having this massive bonding thing, and then she said, do you want to get on? And I was like, yeah, I do, because I feel like we'll be together. And I got on her, and I mean, I had to step on a special plinth to get on her. That's how you get on Congrats, (laughs) though. And then I was running out. She was leading, but she said, if you dig your heels in the side, although her instincts have been massively retrained, that is the one thing. It's like a trigger for her. It's like triggering. Mm. Um, She thinks she's going to be punished if she doesn't run really fast. So you have to really relax your legs. But because I was worried about her, not me, I was really relaxed because I was like, no, everything's going to be okay. And then we went around together. And when she had to wait, she didn't really like waiting, but she'd turn her head around and she'd nibble your foot. And she said that really relaxes her. And I think it's a connection. It's just like, hey, we're together. And any other horse, I'd have been like, don't eat my foot. But because it was darling, I was like, take it.
2: (laughs) You deserve it.
0: (laughs) I was like, yeah. Because I was like, she's had it all time. And it was just a connection. It was so sweet. It was (laughs) lovely. I loved her. And Lucy was so good at it. Lucy was better at riding than I was, obviously, because Lucy's 12 and, you know, she's got a rider's body.
5: It seems like horses are... I feel sad for the darling, because it's like horses are victims of their own usefulness, you know? Like, if nobody had figured <laughs> That's out... That's what people that they say about just, women. <laughs> <laughs> hey. If we then, hadn't worked out, you could cook. You what, couldn't be in the kitchen. Well, I, what I'm saying is that horses should, should just get the whole being able to transport people great lengths under wraps. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like... Like, why aren't we riding... like... They're co- they like, oh, no. <laughs> 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 no, we don't why
2: do don't that. Why don't we ride... <laughs> we never ride, like, cows. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. I know, yeah. We just... I'd ride a cow just as readily as I'd ride a horse.
0: <laughs> Give them the opportunity. But I would highly, highly recommend Dean being with horses.co.nz. Mm. And she trains people with their own horses, and she teaches people how to be around horses, and she just helps you connect and bond. i got to
5: say straight up, I'm not going to go to being with horses because <laughs> I'm terrified of horses. Like, yeah. Oh,
0: I'm taking you. Yeah, No, no, no. <laughs> I'm taking no, you, Rose. No, I'm no, no. Because honestly, I was so scared. And today, I just loved it. I could have spent all afternoon with Doug.
5: I'm not even that traumatized or scared or anything. I just have no. I don't have a great interest. In, I already got a rescue cat. He's an asshole. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need another one in my life. You know, taking up all that space. I, he is a, He is just the. You you know, him, I? Eh?
2: I mean, not. Talking <laughs> like. Not like intimately.
5: <laughs> talking like about him, like he comes to drinks or something. Oh, that's you know. right. She just brought her rescue with her.
2: Aww. No, he's um,
5: he's bisexual. Um, <laughs> his name's Bert Backercat. and um, really it's like a good it? name, isn't it? It's a great, you get it.
0: Is he really called Bert Backercat. Yeah, his name's
5: Bert Backercat.
2: Well. Wow. I love how you asked that. Like Rose didn't name, him. <laughs> like, like his birth name was. Yeah, birth that's again. What I no, 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 no. He was
5: originally something ter- terrible, and I changed it. But yeah, no. Um.
2: How know. crazy is that? That you can do that to a living thing. I know, right? Like, I will call you this now. But it's again, quite
0: *Handmaid's Tale*, to be honest. Exactly. To <laughs> well, Just call him
5: of, Boy, Boy of of Rose. Of um, Of yeah, Bert of Rose. Well, the th- similar thing though to like when you uh, the real the rescue animal is similar to the horse, it, that is the moment where you wish animals could talk because I want to hear my cat's story because he's a terrified of feet. He hates it when we play the Fiddler on the Roof soundtrack. <laughs> Bizarrely, I don't know what's going on there. Genuinely, when we play it on, my, on record, he would just freak the hell out. How often are you insisting on playing the Fiddler on the
2: Roof soundtrack? <laughs> Until he
5: gets used to it, all right? <laughs> So what, does
0: sunrise, sunset, and he yeah,
5: just and goes, Just The noises, Topol is triggering for him, I, I think, I don't know. That's so weird. It's, it's, Maybe I to know his Topol's cat, and Topol was so. not kind to him. That's true, but yeah. So
0: what I learned from riding a horse yeah. is this, you've got to be kind and let them. that horse know you're affectionate, but also what I learned from Nadine is you have to lead. She said, that horse wants you to lead. And you have to just say, we're going over here. And she said, you lead with your belly button. She said, you say, we're going to that fence. And you just go, and the horse will come. And when you want to stop, you stop. And you say, we're stopping now. And you don't go, oh, where do Because I was going, where do you want to go? And she was like, you cannot. Because I was trying to go over here, and the horse was going that way. And I was going, oh, do you want to go over here, darling? She was like, no. She was like, you cannot. You have to. And now what I realized, really, is how sensitive that horse was to my instinct. And I realized that the patriarchy is similar that often will go, oh, would it be okay if I went over here? And the patriarchy will go, no, you have to go over here. And then you go, oh, we're going over here now. You have to just lead and go and say, this is where we're going. And the patriarchy is, I truly believe, rideable. (laughs) I feel like we, what I learned today from being with Darling, is we have to ride the patriarchy and ride it like we stole it. We have to say, we're going over here, and that's what I truly believe. Hold up, you stole this horse? No, no. That's just a little... Yeah, fake it till you make Please it. Please welcome
2: to the stage, darling. <laughs> Well, when I think of um, instincts, I think mostly of my mother, because she has great instincts most of the time, and I feel like I got my instincts from her, but there are the times that they let us down. You guys can probably tell from looking at me I'm a home birth. (laughs) Uh, Are there any other home births in? Yeah, wow, this is almost my target audience. Uh, (laughs) The rest of you are just smug hospies. Um, no, but I was a home birth. I was born at home. I was born a uh, traditional-style home birth, which is um, naked and on all fours in the living room. I probably shouldn't declare it's traditional style. It's the only home birth I've ever been to. Um, but the reason that I know that I was born this way is because there are photos to prove it taken by someone I can only assume was worried that my mother would later be accused of not having had me vaginally. (laughs) Because they are very explicit. (laughs) And they are just in and amongst the family photographs. (laughs) Which I should point out are in no particular order. (laughs) I remember once as a kid, I was looking for a picture of me at a fifth birthday party, and I found it, and then on the next page, there was a picture of my grandmother in the casket, and I was like, mom, you can't put these pictures next to each other, and she was like, it's the circle of life. But I always tell people, if you come over to my house, and my family's like, hey, want to see pictures of our family trip to Paris, be careful, because you might also see pictures of my trip out her pussy. It's a lot harder on me to say that line (laughs) than it is on you to hear it. Uh, But we're deep in it now, just like I was then anyway. (laughs) When I first found out about these photos, I was like, I want nothing to do with them. I'm fine with them being in the house. And she was like, you should be, it's my house. (laughs) It's like, I'm fine with them being in the house, but I don't want to see them. But um, the home births will understand. You reach an age... (laughs) We you're like, I've got to check these out. It's just like this itch that you want to scratch. And so one day I was like, hey, mum, I'm ready to see these photos. She was like, okay. So we sat down, the two of us, and we opened up the book after searching and searching for it. We opened it up, and there they were. And at first I was like, oh, God, these are shocking. You know, they belong in like a high school as part of a talk about why everyone should be using contraception because they're definitely prohibitive. (laughs) But then after a while, you know, I started to kind of absorb it, and I was like, well, these are beautiful. It's quite stunning, you know, to have kind of a record of that, and there was one in particular that was amazing, that was so... um, (laughs) So mum's like this, (laughs) and dad's kind of up here doing whatever he was doing, apologising probably. (laughs) Mum's like this. I just realized I'm doing a physical bit on a podcast. (laughs) Mum's like this, and I'm kind of coming out this way. I don't know if that's how it happens in your fancy hospitals. I was coming out this way, and they'd grabbed me. I think that's the technical term. And they'd put me through her legs, and they'd laid me on the bed in front of her. So now she's looking down at me, and I'm looking up at her, and it's a picture of the first time we've seen each other and she's smiling at me, maybe for the last time. <laughs> I said to her, I was like, mom, it's incredible that you have a record of this, this moment, the most private and intimate moment a mother and daughter could possibly have. So intimate and private. And then we flipped the page in the book And there's a wide shot of the room and it's just filled with people. (laughs) I'm not exaggerating. It's not dissimilar to this situation (laughs) right now. Just filled with people. And I was like, okay, I've gotta I've gotta stay with it. So I was like, take me through it. Tell me who all these people are. And she was pointing them out to me. She was like, That's your auntie, that's your other auntie, that's your uncle. That's your auntie. I was like, okay, this is great. That's the doctor. I was like, I'm quite frankly relieved. (laughs) That's another doctor. They're just a family friend. And there are all your brothers and sisters. They're just here to learn what not to do. And then in the corner of the room was just a man in a bathrobe holding a cup of tea. (laughs) And I was like, hey, mum. Who's that guy? And she said to me, you know, I honestly couldn't tell you. (laughs) So I was like, how does that play out? So mum's here. Just to recap, dad's up here. That's my character work. Hey, love, yep. Who's that guy over there? Oh, not sure. Thought he was a friend of yours. No? Do you think we should ask him to leave? Oh, come on, love. Seems a bit rude. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Well, someone fix him a cup of tea, eh? Still no idea who he is. And when I kind of found this out and I started talking about it, it really put my mum into a bit of a tailspin. She was like, who is this guy? And she called me one day. She was so excited, more excited than she'd ever been in her entire life. She goes, Alice, Alice, that's what she calls me. Um, She's like, Alice, I know who the guy is now. I know who he is. Uh, So I was like, okay, great, mum, tell me and I'll make sure I pass on the good word. She's like... That guy, so self righteous by the way, that guy was the ex boyfriend of a girl who once lived out the front of our house. Still don't know his name though. So when I think about instincts, I think about this moment when they probably should have asked him to leave. Anyway, thank you very much.
5: okay, this is an interesting thing in, in terms of you saying instinct, uh, something that maybe, yeah, it's a it's a body thing, it's a physical thing sometimes, you can feel it manifest in your body sometimes. Yes. The problem there is that
2: I am a horrific hypochondriac. That's so, true. And yeah, Alice knows this. And every time I get sick, Rose gets that thing twice as bad. <laughs> it is true. <laughs> and I do. Um,
5: but do you know, you know, like, you know when you feel something instinctually and it is a gut feeling you feel something drop in your stomach it's like when you you know when you see something it's so emotionally like a gut punch that you feel it in your body but with instinct you know when you feel like I think in terms of like danger right because that seems like a real biological thing of like in danger you feel a physical reaction to something I can't trust that anymore Because I'm drinking bad milk left, right, and center. You know what I mean? (laughs) But you know what I mean? I do know what you mean.
0: I do know what you mean. But I also think that women are often not believed at the doctor. There's a lot of evidence that women are not believed at the doctor. Yeah. And they're sent away. I've had female friends who've been sent away again and again and again. And it turns out they have got, of course, their bodies are different and they know that they're different. Mm And so sometimes women have to fight more than men do, statistically, Mm -hmm. at the doctor to be heard and to be listened to and to be seen and to make sure that they get the tests that they need. So now hypochondriacs like you basically ruin the sample, is what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) LAUGHTER
2: Yes. I think that instinct though, like the idea that it's like that natural biological urge is, is true, but you also hone it. Like it's like a muscle or a skill or something. So you hone it by, you know, getting it right and getting it right. Wrong. It's kind just of like as much.
5: the ability to predict the probability of what's going to happen in the future from your past experience, isn't it? Yes. Like Yeah. It's yeah. Like yeah. Your, in terms of your um your story, in terms uh, of your gap here, it's like you were young mm. and you did not have the experiences of just growing up and being like, I know that the formula of this situation yeah. is not mm. going to work out, mm. and that's totally instinct, right? Isn't, mm. isn't it? Like. It's yeah, you know it's, it's, when you're on Airbnb and you're like that's going to be a terrible place. There's not enough photos. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's yeah. that sort of instinct. you Your home, it's get so older. true. Yeah,
0: exactly. Places where you look at it and you go, something is telling me that this isn't going to be right, mm-hmm. and yet I'm still going to go and meet this
5: person off Tinder or meet this Airbnb off Airbnb, mm. or do whatever you, it is. Do you think it is? Fo- is it a case of when your uh, instinct is following your heart over your mind, or is that? A different situation because I—I I mean, I feel like I I'm, that's horniness. Okay, okay. I—I I mean, I'm just talking about you specifically. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. And I'm just—and a lot of things are making starting to make sense now. <laughs> no. um,
0: I ju- i think I think we're taught that our instincts are to be second-guessed by men, just because of the history of the world, really. Mm. That men were in charge for a long time. Men owned women for generations. Women were not allowed to inherit property in the same way that you can't leave your house to your car. You couldn't leave your house to your wife. That's incredible, but that's not that long ago. Read sense and sensibility. It's the plot. You can't leave your house. I will house read the Wikipedia
5: wife. synopsis of it. Sure, yeah.
0: yeah. But that's the truth. So very until very recently, women had to ask their I think it was something like the 60s or something, women couldn't get a credit card without their husband or their father's approval. So, of course, it's such a recent living memory that all of these things existed. How are we meant to, when that's been the generational training, mm. just go, yeah, what I think is probably right? Whereas for generations, men have been told their first instinct is the one to be trusted at their leaders. Mm. So, I think we do second guess, and we've just got to retrain ourselves because yeah. there's no other way of doing it. Mm. It's just by going, I'm going to trust my instinct. But you, I think you just learn it as you get older if you have a couple of bad experiences not training your
2: instincts. Yeah. I also feel like there's so much relief in making a decision as well. Yeah. And so, like, as much as I can, I go with whatever the first thing is. Because once you've made the decision, then you can, like, deal with whatever the consequences are of it. You know, like, leave and stay, take this job, don't take this job, whatever it is, drink the milk. You know, like, (laughs) those are all of equal importance. (laughs)
0: have a question of any sort?
5: How do you deal with, I guess a lot of people probably understand this, having anxiety or anxiety disorders along with trusting your instinct? Because quite often one overrides the other. I mean, I think we can establish, I have no idea what instinct is, I'm just horny. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So it's hard for me to say. But there's an interesting, and it's not just, I mean, I can't speak possibly specifically to, because I'm not an expert in terms of anxiety disorders and and that and i was just thinking though it's a weird thing when you're saying there's an expectation that women are affected by so many other things in their body or in their i guess the world they live in that would affect their decision making and i feel i was just thinking whereas you're saying that i was like do i follow my instincts when like i'm on my period or i'm going through a breakup or i'm going through a terrible time and well you've had a bad meal or i've had a bad meal right exactly and um but it doesn't, I don't think it diminishes that instinctual feeling. I don't know. So yeah, it's a really I intangible thing to... You know. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah.
0: If you think of your anxiety as another person, like an evil flatmate who's saying to you, you're probably not going to be very good at that. I wouldn't go to that party. No one's going to like you. Like, if your flatmate was saying that to you, you'd be in a thriller film. <laughs> Your flatmate was like, just or like potentially a rom com. <laughs> <laughs> but if you had someone lying under your bed going, don't get out of bed, nothing good is out there, you'd be like, you have to leave. <laughs> and so sometimes I think your anxiety is, one's anxiety is another person with a bad, negative, poisonous message who's undermining your true instincts. And if you can quiet that voice, your real instinct, your healthy, good instinct will say, parties are fun, everyone likes you. And or you don't like parties don't go to one, have a friend that you like and trust come to your house and do something sociable but don't just lie in bed dreading the world like do the thing you want to do, go and visit darling, I'm telling you, she will change your life
5: so in this hypothetical, your instinct is like a flatmate who like brews kombucha or something and is just like <laughs> chill as hell and is like yeah, like we've got coconut yoga in the fridge, tell about yourself like do what you want.
0: Who who did you say it was like? Bruce the butcher.
5: No. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, Bruce kombucha. What's that? It's my boyfriend. Um, Bruce, Bruce kombucha. You know uh, kombucha. No. I mean, I've really outed myself as the most bougiest as fuck <laughs> Aucklander of all
2: time. You know what? It's, well, like, a, you, it's like a somebody at my flat brews their own kombucha. This is. Uh, This is a veiled... Bruce (laughs) kombucha? Yeah, so it's... (laughs) (laughs) What are you talking about? She lives with Bruce kombucha, who is my boyfriend. Does anybody know... they are lovely. What is Bruce (laughs) kombucha? I don't know. Bruce, like like you brew beer. Like brew beer, brew coffee. Yeah, like brew. B-R-E-W. Yeah, like brews. And then the drink is called kombucha.
5: K-O-M-B-U-C-H-A. And Kumbuch- I did shake that out. Kombucha. 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 Bruise kombucha. kombucha. <laughs> Bruise
0: kombucha.
2: Is kombucha. This, a, this is clearly a New Zealand thing. No, 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 no. no, no. no, 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 no. Where it is it from? it's like a bacteria. You get it from a SCOBY. <laughs> 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 you have made all of this up. No, no, no.
0: no, 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 no. no, no you get no, no, it no, no. from. No, no. You no, no. brew it. We're not messing with you, Deborah. Hear me out. Hear us out. Hear us out.
2: You get it from like a. I think it's called a SCOBY. None of don't
5: these words on, are real. Go, Is that what it's go, called? Yeah,
2: scobey, Yeah, yeah. so you've got to get your own way B-Y-O scoby, And then I don't know what you do with it. You let it ferment or something. I'm having
0: a, I'm having a sensation like I've had a nap this afternoon. <laughs> I've dreamt that I'm doing the show and my brain's trying to wake me up because I've missed the show by
2: oversleeping. Do you know what will help with that? Kombucha. kombucha. <laughs> <laughs> I
5: love as well how you got more confused, and more and more people in the audience started going, "No, it was like a weird Spartacus, where it's like, I know what kombucha yeah. is, and I know what kombucha <laughs> and is." It's <And> <laughs> yeah.
2: I'm Bruce no. Kombucha. <laughs> as far as
0: I'm concerned, Bruce Kombucha is now the patron saint of New Zealand. <laughs> And she—that's right, Bruce Combutcher was a woman all along. Yes, she is the embodiment of trusting your instincts <laughs> and riding, your riding the patriarchy like you stole it. Oh, Saint oh, Jacinda yeah. of yes. New Zealand!
2: Shout out. A lot of hype. Saint Jacinda, a lot of hype around her. Saint Jacinda
0: and her trusty female steed, <laughs> Bruce <Kambucha>. LAUGHTER To uh, do the charity of the week, I don't want to go on about it, but my birth mother is the head of the Toronga chapter, and I know I'm saying Toronga wrongly. <laughs> How do I say it? Toronga. Every time. Toronga. Is that correct? Pretty close, yeah. Toronga, thank you. Uh, so the Toronga chapter of uh, this particular charity and my sister is going to come up onto the stage and talk about it. So please welcome to the stage my sister, it's very exciting, this is a sister I didn't know I had till a couple of years ago, Emma Beale.
5: <laughs> hello, hello, hello. I've got to say that was a real Ricky Lake intro.
0: Yeah, right, <laughs> yeah. right. And darling... <laughs> um, so this is my sister, Emma, who took us horse riding today. Um, I did. Yep. Hello. Thank you so much for coming up, Emma. You're welcome. Do you think we yes. look similar? Yeah. Uh, wait till you see my birth mother. It's crazy. Um, so Emma, uh, tell us about the charity.
4: So the uh, charity that my mother is involved with is um, Cambodia Charitable Trust, which is based in Tauranga. The website is cct.org.nz and they support um, girls to go to school in Cambodia because often when um, people are very, very, very poor or in poverty, it's the girls that are kept home from school to help in the house and and the gardens and things like that. One of the projects that they're involved with is a project called Days for Girls, which provides um, reusable sanitary kits for girls so that they don't have to miss school when they have their periods. Uh, Each kit costs about $20 to make, so we're going to have some people out on the doors and any donations that you give today will be going towards the kits um, that will be sent over to Cambodia. And why is it called Days for Girls? When girls get their periods, they lose days of school or women lose days of work, so it's giving girls and women back their days so that they can carry on their lives as normal. Hmm. Now Emma, you're my first family member I think ever to be on the show. Yes. It's exciting. Um, do you have an I'm a feminist butt
0: that you'd like to do?
4: Oh, I do. I'm a feminist butt. I love to wear high heels to work. And probably once a week, a man will say to me, oh, you're so tall. And I have a flat pair of shoes in my car that occasionally I'll go and change into. If I'm, If I have to do, I'm a deputy principal. So if I'm doing something where I have to stand... I'm um, next to a man in front
2: of an audience. Who is this? I'm going to fucking kill him. <laughs> we will fucking, we will destroy mess, him. We'll mess
5: him up. We will mess him up. Is he here right now? Is he here? <laughs> a- Show
2: but yourself.
5: It's, it's By the, the spirit of blues from <laughs> I get
0: that too, Emma, because I am similarly tall. I'm not as tall as you, but I am tall. And that is because we share some genes. <laughs> I know, isn't it amazing? It is amazing. And if people are listening at home, where can they donate?
4: CCT.org.nz. Great. And there's Thank nothing you. on the website that specifically says Days for Girls because it does lots of different things, doesn't it? But it does. One of the projects that it undertakes is Days for
0: Girls. So, sure. so put, pop in $20 and you will sponsor one girl to have one pack. And that will last for three years because there's eight pads in it. Um, thank you so much. That's my sister Emma. <laughs> All right. We have to finish up. Do you have anything to plug?
5: Rosa No, no. Just apart from um, me and Alice to a podcast. Go listen to it. It's called Boners of the Heart. Don't know if anyone here listens to it, but oh yes, great, awesome. Can I just
0: break that down for international listeners? Yes, Boners of the Heart.
5: Boners of the Heart. Yes. So B O N E R S. B O N E R S of the. Of. T H E H E A R T. Okay, thank and you. And at Boner of the Heart on Twitter. But no, uh, hit us up on iTunes. It's a podcast. We just talk about people that we're attracted to and sex streams we often had. So, um, <laughs> it's <a> real- <laughs> <laughs> Great.
0: Thank Good you. Joke. Do you ever have any guests on that? Because I've got some hot material on John Ham. Oh, really? Yeah, really.
2: Damn, we should hear you out. We should, yeah. 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 We've um, we've actually never had a guest on Boners. Yeah. Wow,
0: really? Have you never had a guest? Because no, I no. feel I would be a good first guest if you were ever thinking. You're I'm a great bored, I'm, I'm gonna bored be honest. Of having
5: Rose, to be honest, we're holding it up for Angelina. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: will never get
5: her.
0: Oh, actually, you might because because Alice has come out public to say but she's yes. team it. You'll never get. Jen. That was our plan. That's true. that's for sure. Do you have anything to plug?
2: No, just Boners of the Heart. Listen to it. On your own time. When else could they listen to it? I guess on my time. <laughs> <laughs> listen to it on work time. <laughs> yeah.
0: Undermine everything you've worked for to listen to it. Okay, uh, if you would like to listen to Global Pillage at globalpillage.net, it is my diversity-based comedy panel show. It's a bit like seven days, only we let women play. Um, <laughs> I know, I watched it the other night, one woman, one woman, two, three, one woman, one woman. Don't boo the one woman. <laughs>
2: She's just doing her best. <laughs> she, was, no, she was great,
0: although she did get cut off a couple of times because she opened her mouth to speak, and a man saw that
2: follow The Guilty Feminist on Twitter at guiltfempod. Check out our Instagram, instagram.com slash theguiltyfeminist. Like our Facebook page, sign up to our mailing list, and get notified as soon as a new episode is released. And please go to iTunes and rate, review, and subscribe. It helps other people find the podcast. And give it
0: five stars! Woo! That's really good. You have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis White, guest co-host Alice Sneddon, and our very special guest, Rose Matteo. The producer is Thompson and Steve the Spencer Shop. Thanks to everyone at Hawking Town Hall and Jeff Ring Australian Australia Comedy Management, as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, was at Guilty.
2: Anything about that was incorrect I'm so sorry that I've completely misunderstood the instructions that
0: could not have been less correct that
2: was wow correct. Alice is the only co-host
0: who's ever deliberately fucked up the title oh my god thank you everyone had I've s- had a good night <laughs> we've had some accidental fuck ups but never a deliberate what I can only call sabotage Should we swap roles? I don't
2: know. No. Let me do it again. Live from the town hall in Auckland. Auckland.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com/pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5.